to the mic. Step to the mic. If you got what it takes for the cameras and lights, then you gon' be alright. Ain't nothing to fear. Step to the mic. I'm here with Juno nominated artist, producer, songwriter from right here in Canada, the Great White North which now that I think of it, we might have to change that nickname. It might be the worst nickname of every co- any country <laughs> in the history of nicknames. It's uh, pretty, pretty accurate, though. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. For, for today, we'll call it the Great Filipino North. Yep. <laughs> His credits include BTS, Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, One Direction, Sean Kingston, Train, Kehlani, Music Soul Child, Division and Pleasure P of Pretty 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 Ricky. Oh, yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> the oh. one and only August Rigo. Welcome to the podcast, August. What up, what up, what up? How you been, man? I'm good, man. You brought out Pleasure P. <laughs> Heck yeah, I did. Oh, no. Um I've got a good story. I got a I got a, like um I've never had a hard drive go out on ever like well, I've had one hard drive go out on me, and it was during a pleasure pleasure P session. We were, you know, I was doing. Uh, There's a time where I was like, you know, I had like maybe three or four back to back sessions with Pleasure P, because I had done that first song with him, and you know, I had like, oh, I got all these songs for you, bro. Check it out. And I pop my hard drive into the. You know, I'm in the studio in LA. I pop my hard drive in, and it's not loading. And it's like, what the hell? So I was like. You know, me and the en- engineer keeps checking the wires, changing the wires, blah, blah, it's not working. I'm like, okay, um, let's try this. I find another wire in my, in my bag and plug it in. It goes, it loads up and uh, perfect. Then it goes, and literally smoke. Oh, wow. Smoke from my hard drive in the studio. And that was the end of our session. We just went out, I think. And that was the last time. I was like, I think that was the last time I saw Plucky P. It was like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> it's a bad sign, man. It's a bad sign. It's interesting. Like, I rattled off all those names and I could see your expression. And, like, some of them were like, you're like, it almost looked like you forgot. I did. Yeah, it's crazy. I have. Do you ever, do you ever sit back and think, like, wow, I did all of that? Yeah, you know, like, I do once in a while. Actually, I don't. As you can see, I just sat there. Um, I I I like to think of myself as prolific, so I'm always on the go. Like I'm always creatively moving, and so I yeah I do forget. You know the big ones I don't forget, right? You know I um, the ones that kind of changed my life. But I, like you know there's certain ones in the middle that you know that don't necessarily you know they're milestones, but they're not. They don't mark a time in my life, you know. They're in like they were kind of right in the middle. So, you know, when I did, you know, my first placement was Ayaz, the song called Solo. But the one that really changed my life was Justin Bieber. You know, that was the first, you know, placement. And I had like such a big um, contribution to that first album. You know, I did three songs on there. One of them was a single. Um, and that was the one that was kind of circulating the industry and Bieber would, had just kind of hit his stride and was the, you know, turning into the Justin Bieber, you know, we know now. 
Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of, I did all that before my publishing deal. So that changed my, the trajectory of my life because all of a sudden there was this no name kid, you know, this writer from Canada who had just done three songs on, you know, this about to be multi-platinum album. So, you know, that one kind of earmarks, you know, a time in my life or the, the change where like, you know, I went from. I went from broke, literally, to having like no money in my account to having, you know, quite a bit at my disposal. It's a, it was a crazy time, and then you like, you know, I did all the dumb things. I did every cautionary tale that you have heard about the music, and I've done. You know, I was spending ridiculous amount of money at the club, um, just buying, you know ridiculous clothing wearing ridiculous clothing so i was <laughs> i was in it i was i was in it for a minute what's the most ridiculous thing you bought oh man there was a i i know it already it was a python skin custom python skin pair of chuck taylor's <laughs> I just, what i still have them i still have them they're custom python i bought them in miami they're a pair of chucks like they're literally a pair of chuck tails and they were like fifteen hundred dollars wow for a pair of chuck tails and i mean i don't I've, honestly they were stupid i wore them a couple of times i have them still they're in the garage um i should probably sell them i'll never wear them again but you know it's that that was a you know i i did most of my spending was like on on the experience, you know, like I would go out with my boys and be like, I got it, you know, go to the club and like, don't worry, that's on me. Yeah. That's, a, that was a lot. That was a lot of it, but no. You got your, you got your MC Hammer on. Yeah, you live and you learn, man, you live and you learn. Yeah. I should have taken all that money and put it into like, if I had known, man, I got put it into Apple or put it into something. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if I took all that money that I was spending at the club and put it into Apple, I would have been able to, I would have probably been able to buy myself out of my deal. <laughs> you know, like nobody tells you that when you get your money. Well, maybe some people do, but I didn't have, um, although I had the right people around me to get me to that point, I didn't have the right people around me to, to nurture me at that level, you know? Nobody cared after everybody that was around me made their money. Nobody cared to kind of tell me like, yo, bro, slow down, mm -hmm. you know, or do something with it, do something with it. And maybe I wasn't even, I, nor, nor was I interested in listening to anybody as well. So, right. There's also that side of it. Yeah, sure. it is what it is. You live and you learn. Like I said, if you didn't have a publishing deal at the time, how did you land such a big placement with like three tracks on a Bieber record? That's that's pretty huge. Yeah, so man, this was okay. So my grind started much earlier than this. So I, you know, I got started a lot later than most of the people now. You know, most of my peers now that I work with or that I'm, you know, collaborating with or the, or the, the new guy, they're all probably like five, 10 years, 15 years younger than me. You know, they're all in their 20s maybe 20 years younger than me you know there um i didn't <clears throat> i went to school like we were talking about i went to first after high school um i went to school for jazz for a year I took a year off and then i went to an engineering school um 
And then out of engineering school, I moved to, I moved to Atlanta for six months. I, I was living in back and forth. I was living in New York for a little bit. And then from a contact in Atlanta, I moved to Australia for two years. So I lived in Sydney for two years. I was doing, yeah, I was, I was doing this rapper slash boxers album. I ended up like doing every song, writing, producing, mixing, mastering out there. Um, yeah. And I did, so I did like literally a full two year stint out there. I was living with this girl out there. <laughs> I, mean, I, was just, I met her in the club and I was like, yeah, she, she asked me to move in with her. I was like, yeah, let's go. So I moved in with her. Um, and then, you know, all in the same <clears throat> time frame, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd come back to Toronto and then take a trip to New York. And my grind really started by standing outside of the record labels, you know, so I had a, friend who had a publishing deal at the time who would take me around with him and you know he'd have meetings so i'd piggyback on those meetings i'd write to his beats but um a lot of the times i stand i would just be standing outside the record label with a stack of cds and looking for somebody who looked like they're in the music industry mm -hmm. you know, So I, you know i ha i've handed out cds to like irv Gotti. you know i've handed out cds to Memphis, uh, Sylvia Roan, uh, wow. all types of people. Um, and so this one guy who, and subsequently those trips, the, me standing outside of those record labels is what kind of got me discovered because there was this one guy who was, um, who was at the time the VP of VP of A&R Motown. I recognized his face from a, um, a source magazine interview he did mm. so i said yo this guy this guy and um i knew he liked from through the grapevine i knew he liked the beat that me and my friend did so i just rolled up on him i was like yo here's my cd i'm dope and he listened to it and good on him it was you know the music was okay but i guess he saw something and i nurtured literally i nurtured that relationship for five years until I got to a point in my career here where I was, you know, I had, I had a single out. I was, you know, things were bubbling for me. So I had asked him to manage me and I, and he said, Oh, you got to move to Jersey. We got this house in Jersey. You can come here, live here and work under the track masters. So I ended up moving to Jersey, um, I guess 2008, 2009. And so I worked under the track masters for a year and a half. Um, you know the you know shit guy like you know go take the garbage out clean the floors you know engineer this artist that's coming in uh, fix these vocals um so during the day i would you know i would do that i would <clears throat> do whatever work with the you know work with whoever they had in the studio and then they gave me a bedroom there so i you know i had my little setup i had like a little m audio keyboard two speakers and my laptop and i wrote a song every day for a year and a half every single day i sent them a song I, every day i sent them a song and um yeah that's kind of how i sharpened my knife so to speak you know because they had other writers there they had other producers and they were all really good you know and i thought i was the shit when i got there and you know shortly realized that i wasn't that good so you know, I, you know I had to step my game up and then you know just like there was the you know there's always when there's a lot of creatives around there's always like an aura of competition 
mm-hmm. right? So that was there. So that kind of made me, you know, kind of made me keep my edge or sharpen my edge anyways. And to be honest, they weren't paying attention to me. I was really good at being a utility guy, you know, because I was I could engineer, I could vocal produce, I could edit vocals, you know, I'd fix people's stuff. Um, <clears throat> I could sing so I could demo stuff. I could produce so I could do that. And, uh, you know, I was appeasable. I, you know, clean, take the garbage out, you know, there was a party or clean the pool or whatever, whatever I needed to do, I was doing because, you know, it was like, oh, it's my opportunity to be here. So I'm not going to fuck that up. I'm, I'm here. Uh, but after a year and a half of doing that and then, you know, finally getting to a point where, yo, my songs are tight. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm self-aware. I understand what's good and what's not. And my songs were better than everybody's there. So I, um, I think I, I think they call it a, um, an episode. <laughs> I had a bit of an episode one day and I kind of stormed into the office and I was like, yo, y'all don't know shit. I had a Kanye moment. I had a Kanye yeah. moment. Yeah. I said, y'all don't know shit. I'm the best thing you guys have here. Y'all are spending time on this person, this person, this. I was calling names and, and I was like, they got, their records aren't as good as mine. Blah, 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 blah. And you know, everybody's looking at me like, yo, this guy is going, he went nuts. And I mean, at the time, you know, I, I, I was broke. You know, I was, we were in, you know, this really big mansion in Alpine, New Jersey, 11,000 square feet, indoor pool, like, but it was in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't have a car at the time. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have anything at the time. I was just there. Yeah. So, um, I left, I went home. I was like, yo, you know what? And I, I just gotta go home. So I went home and uh, you know, when I got home, I had just done this cover. This was at around the time where best I ever had, Drake's best I ever had was, you know, just about to pop. So I was at the DJ, the Stylist DJ Awards here. Um, I produced a song for an artist who was nominated at that this this you know this local award ceremony and this rapper his name is rodala from here he was like yo august i heard your remix of the best i ever had it's my favorite one you got to meet boy wonder so i mean wow. yeah this is before you know this is just you know off the heels of best i ever had right so i met boy wonder and he was like, yo, I heard you're dope. Uh, I want to write a song. Can we write a song together? I was like, sure. So one day came to my house and we wrote a song and he left. He left to do his thing, go to New York, sign his deal, literally the next day. And so when he went to sign his deal, he had one new song because he just came from my house. That song gets to his A&R. His a said, who is this kid? Oh, this kid, August, I'm working with. Oh, he's dope. This AR calls the guy in Alpine and says, Hey, is this the kid that you were talking about? And he said, Yeah, he's, uh, he, do you manage this kid, August? He's like, Oh, yeah, no, nah, we don't manage him anymore. He went crazy. Uh, and then they were like, Well, you might want to, you might want to give him a call because he's not crazy. He's actually really good. He's working with Wanda now. And, you know, they're really fucking with him. So, I didn't know any of this at the time. So they call me back like, yo, man, you know, you, we need we need you to come through. We need you to do this. <laughs> the, the Jersey guys called you back? Yeah. yeah okay. We need you to do this. Uh, you know, they were all connected as well, obviously. So 
Um, and that's how I kind of got back on. Well, that's how I got on anyways. And then, you know, all of a sudden now, now that I had this juice, now that I had a cosign from, you know, the biggest new producer in the game, you know, um, they were able to kind of parlay that into, yo, you should, we're going to, we're going to pull the strings. Now we're going to call all of our connects because they knew everybody, but just because you know, everybody doesn't mean they're going to do anything for you. You know, if you don't have nothing. Right. So now they had the confidence to kind of put me in the room with these people. So, you know, they put me in the room with Stargate. They put me in the room. So like Stargate's an interesting situation because I used to be, I used to walk with my studio. So wherever I went, I had a studio in my backpack. So I got into Stargate studio. I played them some songs. They're like, oh, these are amazing. Maybe you can come back in a couple of weeks and we can book a session with you. And I was like, nah, I'm not leaving. I was like, how about, how about you let me use your kitchen and a mic or your booth if you guys are working and I'll just record myself and give me a beat. If you like it, you know, then I'm here. If you don't like it, then, you know, thanks for your time. You're like, cool, knock it out. Here, try this. So I go in the booth, throw a song, give them, give them a, give them a USB stick. Like, all right, cool, man. Um, thanks, yo, give me a call. So I had to go home. So I flew back home to Toronto I literally landed in Toronto and then um, they called me back. They called me as soon as I landed. They said, yes, hop on the plane, turn around. Um, we need you for the next two weeks. And I ended up working with Stargate for the next two weeks in New York. I rocked the mic. And then um, after that, we, you know, we did the LA run. I was working with the Stereotypes. I worked with Harvey Mason and the Underdogs. Um, I went to Miami, I worked with DJ Khaled and the runners. And you know, these are all like, just, you know, yo, check this kid out. He's dope. And that's how I got, you know, that's how I got all these placements. And that's like, I worked with Jerry Wanda in New York um, for Music Soul Child. And that that's how, so just doing all these sessions and like accumulating this catalog of songs with all these great producers before my deal, before any deal, um, you know, and then it was like a, you know, then it was a political play. Like, look at all these records that this kid has, you know, they're dope. And yeah, funny enough, You Smile was actually written during a Music Soul Child session. Oh, really? and they, yeah, it was written for Music Soul Child. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is too big for him and we need to go, we need to go bigger. So um, we ended up going to see L.A. Reed and then that's, that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, L.A. Reed actually loved my voice, so he gave me a record deal after hearing my demos. You know what? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he, he signed me. Um, so literally after, this is this is the funny story. So, you know, with all this, you'll find out if we go, if we delve deeper into this story that, you know, people change, people change, but it's really key to have a manager that understands what the hell is going on in this in the world in the industry you know that's it's if you don't your talent will the, or at least somebody who's connected around you so like the reason why i was able to kind of show my shit was because i had a at the time i had a manager who who knew everybody who at least put me in front of and i could just you know i could deliver so the day before my um my la reed meeting he was like my manager said yo i know i know you dress like an artist but dress like an artist tomorrow then all right cool 
So I, you know, put my best outfit on. I, you know, we do the meeting and, you know, LA looks at me and he's like, all right, cool. What's up? Blah, blah, blah. Play me these songs. I play him the songs. He's like, who's singing? I was like, oh, that's me. And then so he looks over his desk like this and he goes, okay, where's your album then? And so at this point, I have done a, I have done a lot of meetings. You know, I've, you know, people have been checking my songs. He has the kind of intuitiveness to kind of look at my outfit, see the way I'm dressed. And he said, he said, you know, judging by the way you look and the way you sing, you have an album. And he's like, if you haven't played it for anybody, play it for me first. So I play him a song and he stops it halfway through and he goes, hold on. And he called his staff into the office. He said, you know, you know what Madison Square Garden is? And I was like, yeah, of course. And he goes, well, this is your Madison Square Garden you know, showcase. Sing for me. So I sing for the, I sing for the, I end up singing for the, for the whole staff. And um, <clears throat> yeah. So he was like, all right, great. We're going to, we're going to figure something out. He's like, I need you to go back to LA and give me a couple more songs for, for, for the kid, Justin Bieber. And, you know, let's reconvene after the Grammys. So I come back and, you know, do this meeting with him, playing some songs. He's like, I'll take that one too. And he goes, Oh, you he was like, I'm going to sign. I was, I was literally ready to leave the meeting. And he said, Oh, I'm, I'm going to sign you today. I'm signing you. I'm, I want to give you a, I also want to give you a song deal and a label deal. Cause I have some artists here that I think you can help develop. So yeah, I had a whole thing with LA, like for a minute, like LA, LA Reed was my guy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Was, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, you know, shit changes, man. Shit changes. So I did. I never had the chance to really um, focus my energies on my artist side. I was so, because the writing machine was the bread and butter of my, you know, of, of you know, what was making me money at the time, um, you know, everything was kind of focused in on, let's get this kid to write for this person and this person, this person. So I was all over the place. I was in Atlanta, I was in Miami, I was in LA, I was in New York. I was in the UK. I was just going, I was everywhere, you know, One Direction, JLS in the UK, everybody from X Factor, any any 15-year-old kid that was coming up, give them to give them to August. August will give you the records. Um, you know, I was shooting for Beyonce's and Rihanna's, you know, but never taking the time to really focus on my artist thing. So, you know. Instead of doing that, what we were doing was taking demos of mine that were like, oh, these are wicked songs. Let's just tack this onto this kid's album instead if they don't make it on the Bieber album. So I was taking a bunch of these songs that I had written and just like kind of putting an album together. And then, so this is a story that nobody knows, but I'll tell you. I've told it to some people, but never on like a podcast. So uh, as you can see, I'm not black nor white, I'm you know? <laughs> Yes, it's and even till now, even though BTS is popping, it's still a very kind of taboo thing because there's no, especially doing what I do, you know, mm -hmm. doing what I do to to function in the mainstream. Like I'm very much like you know R&B pop, you know, heavily R&B influenced. Um, you don't look like how I look, you know, typically. It's not what it's not. It's not normal. You know, it's not not normal is not the right word. It's it's not fully out there yet. 
you know the world is not that yet you know i don't know if it'll ever be piper so there's there's a time there's this there's this period where you know i'm i'm in the studio i'm i'm i got i'm you know i got deep so when i'm i have one song that i'm i did from my album one song that i did is called here comes trouble and i was working with the runners dj khaled and we got buster rhymes so i have this amazing song with dj khaled buster rhymes on the single and like you know everybody's hype on it and then bruno mars album comes out amazing right mm-hmm. amazing album it was the when i see your face that that album uh doo-wops and hooligans this is going to come into play in a second so i um i guess I'm, I'm in this deal for like six months close to a year and we're trying to figure you know no real talks about the release but it's you know it's getting there they didn't really open up my budget yet but i had done i had an album done because i had all these demos so i walk into the office one day and you know normally i get to the office and it's like yo play me the records play me the hits dog play me the hits and then this time it was like well, something's weird something's weird in the office and um la goes man he was like i want to apologize to you august he's like i'm very sorry i think this is all my fault and him was like what are you talking about and he said did 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 we let bruno mars put the album out before you did we let bruno drop before you and i was like i don't know what you're talking like i didn't understand it at the time i was like uh and i guess in his eyes there was only one in that in that space that could win and and so you know i ended up getting dropped the long story short i ended up getting dropped and then but i didn't get dropped so la was still there and he was still vying for me but i think in his head you know it's uh it was like as ah, you know he's a he's a very fickle personality so maybe in his head it was like yeah i think i'm off this now you know <laughs> bieber's on his way you know doing his thing um maybe i, I don't know what what the whole situation was but no i was definitely dropped but i was dropped after he left so he left so when he left for epic and uh, vacated his def jam position there was nobody else there fighting for me and there was no reason to keep me anymore because i was la reed signing right so i was out right i was out and so, do you still have do you ever still have a relationship <clears throat> with uh with la reed i mean <sighs> Every time I see him, it's love, you know. If I see him, he give me a hug, and you know, um, I went to visit him over at Hitco at his new label maybe a year and a half ago, two years before I moved back here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm not 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 really a working relationship. But you know, yeah. you know, listen, man, everybody knows you, and when they need you again or when you're hot again, you're homies. <laughs> yep, that's just that's just what it is, man. I've accepted that. I've accepted that, you know, when you're when you're hot again, you know, everybody needs you. So it's brother, bro, what's up? But no, there's a lot of us out there. A lot there's a lot of writers and there's a lot of producers and a lot of singers and a lot of artists. So, you know, whoever's hot at the time gets to shine. I noticed you're focusing a lot now on your artist side because you talked about earlier mm. how mm. you kinda you you're focused more what was on the production and the writing. Yeah. Is that is that kind of making up for lost time or um yeah definitely you know making up for lost time but also like just kind of understanding that the reason why i you know i'm 
I've been I was successful as a songwriter is or am successful as a songwriter is because that's um the the artist side of me is what drives that creativity. So whether I'm ever, you know, whether or not I'm ever going to be a famous artist or the, the, the concept of being the voice behind these lyrics is what drives me. You know, so sometimes I write a song like, you know, that has nothing to do with me that may not be for me, but I need to get my head. I need to get my head in that game as, as the artist for it to translate the way it does all the rec great records that I've ever placed that I love, you know, from you smile to um, all the music, soul child stuff, uh, Chris Brown back to sleep. I've, I didn't really think of them as like, oh, I'm writing for this guy or this guy, you know, whether I knew I was writing for them or not, when I stepped into the booth to, you know, behind the mic, I was, they were my songs, you know, this is, this is my shit. And whenever, whenever I do that, it translates differently. Maybe it's like inherent in the vibe and the energy that's around that song. Um, so yeah, I'm like, fuck it. And I, and it's, it's a weird thing that, it's hard to say it this way, but there's like a, you know, when you've been doing the artist thing for so long and it never, it hasn't popped, you know, it's almost, it, it, it gets a little, it's like, it's not embarrassing, but it's like, are you still doing that thing? You know, that's in the back of my head, whether it is, whether anybody else is thinking it, you know, that, that's, um, that feeling is there. Um, so it's almost like a reverse psychology thing. Like, no, nah, this is, I am an artist, like shying away. I used to shy away from that, you know, because, you know, you, you, you want to put your best face forward, so to speak. But my best face is my artist face. You know, this is where, you know, this is where I shine, regardless of if I got millions of streams or one stream, like this is where I'm most comfortable in my most comfortable space as an artist, you know, and whether, and if that makes me write better songs for other people, so be it. But so. I figure, you know, let me just do my thing. Yeah. I'd like to create, you know, an ecosystem for myself where if I can create an ecosystem where I'm making money with myself as an artist and independently, I don't need as much as let's say a Bruno Mars or a Justin Bieber to, to make a living because I'm independent. So I can, you know, a fraction of their streams, I can generate enough income to live pretty decently. Right. Right. So, and I'm tired of depending on artist release dates and like whether my song is good enough for you to sing. You know, my songs are good enough for you to sing. They've been and they've always been and they will be. But, you know, the, the way the, the politics of the industry and the, the gatekeeping and, you know, the buddy buddy stuff, that's not for me either. Mm -hmm. I like to write songs and I think I write good songs. It's, it's also a part of, you know, it's also a business play where I, you know, I want to, I'm going to be able to, it's hard to, it's hard depending on somebody else for your livelihood. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like you have a boss where they have to pay you. It's like, it's, it's like, yo, as you, we're going to pick your song and you know, like sometimes I go two years without placing anything. And then all of a sudden you get one placement that kind of changes, you know, that flips it up. Yeah. I don't want none of that. That 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 uncertainty is not is 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 not good when you have kids. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know that that uncertainty is not you know that's not that's no way to live. So yeah, so that's also another reason. And you know, I'm happier. 
I'm happier doing, you know, artist thing. And um, it's an investment in myself, you know, and in my future. I wish I would have known this a little earlier, but you know, it is what it is. Well, yeah, we, you, you learn as you grow and that's just, that's right. just the way life is, man. Yeah. You're, you mentioned kids, you're a relatively new dad with another one, literally like mm-hmm. potentially minutes away. <laughs> yeah. Sure. First of all, congratulations. Thanks, man. Um, has having children affected your songwriting? Um, you know, not yet. Not yet, but I am cognizant now of you know how I'm. There, I, I'm gonna have. I have a daughter, and I have. I'm gonna have another daughter. I am more cognizant now about how I speak about women, or how I, you know, in that in that sense. Um, I've always been very you know emotionally lovey-dovey driven with my songs, but I think now having you know having a daughter, um, it, it's made me more aware of the things i'm writing and you know she gonna want to hear what i'm writing not so much but i'm more aware um it is changed what it's really changing is my my focus you know like what i'm spending my time on how much i'm how much time i'm spending on writing a song um you know i'm not sitting in the studio anymore like for 16 hours like tweaking tweaking little things my decision making has 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 you know become really fast like really quick and uh, you know i drop things a lot like if i if i don't like it i'm like i'm, I'm done i'm not doing that I'm, i gotta go for I, I gotta set the bar to be great or shit you know so if it's not great then it's just shit you know good is not good enough anymore if it's it's gotta be great or brilliant yeah i think more more so than like you know i'm still writing you know, I'm still writing the same type of songs like that hasn't changed, but you know, it's the amount of time and the emphasis I'm putting on certain things because, you know, I, you know, I like, I enjoy my time with my family, mm-hmm. you know, I, so <clears throat> I try to, you know, and then when I take my trips, you know, I can do the, you know, when I'm away from them and I have to do, you know, if I have to do two weeks, like I did two weeks in LA um, in October and you know, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed being in the studio. I, I worked 20 hours a day, um, but I missed my family dearly. So, you know, that's, that's, that, that balance is, you know, is going to be hard to, to figure out, especially with the two of them. But you know, that's, I think that's going to be the biggest change in, you know, in having kids. Um, yeah. And then, you know, trying to figure out, you know, do you, you know, I'm like I said, the artist thing is like, you know, if, you, if if God willing, you know, stuff goes well, you know, there's always the, you know, the tour and, you know, that time, you know, my wife is also an artist, you know, so, you know, we'll make all those decisions when the time comes. In the meantime, you know, I'm, li- I'm really just, um, just being creative, writing songs catching catching a vibe and and you know at the same time feeling my artist side i'm still writing you know for you know a lot of pitches and a lot of other artists whenever they need you know now you have a song called kids Mm. and uh the song's clearly not about kids per se yeah it's the best i've got for segues (laughs) uh can you talk a bit about that song like how did that how did you come up with the concept for that song because i think it's brilliant Oh, thanks, man. I think it comes from like, 
it derives from the concept of like the ignorance is bliss you know when you're young um you know before i knew anything about the music especially when in this industry before when i was young and before i knew anything about the music industry i thought every, anything and everything was possible you know um the more you know the more jaded you become the more that concept becomes you know muffled still there it's still there but because you've seen so much and you you know there's so many and you've been kind of hurt so badly you know that dream gets dull that kind of sense of wonder the ignorance is now is now like the knowledge kind of real the knowledge really hurts that dream that you know that I can do anything because when you don't know there's no barriers you know like right. if you don't know you can't do that you just do it right which is which is weird like if somebody told me like you know sitting outside of the record like, you know like, no anybody ever going that's never going to happen you're never going no one's ever going to really take your cd seriously you you're serious you're standing outside of a record label looking crazy with a stack of cd's in your hand you think somebody's going to pay attention to you Yeah, right. You're right, you know. That's not how you do it. You got do If somebody told me that, I would have never stood out there 100 times. I stood out there 100 times. Maybe more. With nothing, with like, you know, driving my dad's Corolla, um sleeping on a couch. Like if somebody had told me, "Nah, man, that shit is not going to work." The 99th time, I would have never gotten this far. You know, I would have never gotten there. So Um yeah that can we just be kids um you know I like to romanticize everything but the concept of you know can we just be kids I just you know having that having that freedom that freedom to to just think think freely and believe in anything mm-hmm. is really what kind of brought that on you know it it does become more of like you know a romantic ask song like can we just do something and you know just forget about forget about the repercussions of our actions but you know at the at the core of it it's you know about being able to do anything you know to be young and dumb and just free well with that being said i want to uh play the song if that's okay with you yeah sure so we're going to slide into kids by august rigo let me put it all on you let me double up yeah I'm feeling like we just can't lose. I can't get enough of what we've been doing. Don't say you want to stop this train, 'cause I don't want to stop this train. You don't want to get too deep, but we already way too deep. You're saying that we're way too grown, but we ain't never way too grown to be on one like this. So could we just be kids? Play till someone gets hurt. around till it works or we don't let's act like we don't know I wouldn't even if I could, girl, I wanna keep it light, one day at a time, 
take the consequences out of mind If we get to it, cross that line Find yours in your mind right now That's better than ever The memories we make will help with the heartbreak in the end So don't you say you wanna stop this train Cause I don't wanna stop this train You don't wanna get too deep But we already way too deep now You're saying that we way too grown We're never way too grown to be Like back in the day when we was young and wasn't setting our ways No inhibitions in place, we kept it cool No worries and fears before the drama and tears Before they taught us the distance, they taught us the difference was wrong This ignorance been going on for too long It's so hard to be strong, press on For you and I it's non-fiction I fall for you in the dark cause your heart's my addiction I'm cool with tradition But we the new school, new wave Loving you means they won't let us in We'll find a new way Better way Yeah, yeah When I started, I had zero dollars, you know Like, literally, I could barely keep like a thousand bucks in my account Um, and I was working at The Gap I was working at Sunglass Hut I was working at Club Monaco I was working at bait. my last job. I got was I was this this uh, this hi-fi stereo store called Babler Radio, where I was a shipping guy. One of my best friends, he was the boss there. So, God bless him. Every time I I quit on him, I quit on him on a monthly. Be like, yo, I'm going to New York, bro. About to get my deal. I gotta quit because I got I need two weeks off. That like, all right, my G. Peace. Good luck. I'll come back dejected two weeks later. Like, damn, I didn't get a deal, bro. Like, come in Monday, man. And he kept me on payroll. He literally kept me on payroll until like three, four years ago. Wow. Like, I was still on payroll. Like, they had just, they just took me off payroll like a few years ago. Okay, he had me on payroll for a decade. But yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, not, you're not, you're not dry snitching right now, man. You're not getting in trouble, are you? Oh no no no! <laughs> he's a boss. He's 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 high up there now. Like okay, he, cool. okay, cool. and they knew. Everybody at the store knew. Like August is the artist. Like that's what he's. You know he's he's going to New York and he's coming back. You know I tell everybody. I had a at the shipping at the shipping department where you where you picked up your whatever you bought. I had a a box. They let me have a box of CDs here <laughs> with my album. Like yo, take a CD. <laughs> no. I'd be I'd be delivering uh you know they you know Christmas time you know you take the stereos to the parking lot I'd be telling customers about my you know I'm an artist I'm a singer you know like check my stuff out check my website or whatever yeah they were cool they were super cool over there you know and then all of a sudden I'm 
this guy who wrote Justin Bieber in One Direction, like, you know, one of the most in-demand writers in the game. Oh, he just got signed to L.A. Reid and literally in a, I'm, I'm, I'm at zero, bro. I'm like dead broke. Like, what did you do in between there to go from that to dead broke? Well, there's, I did a lot, <laughs> no, and, um, you know, I had, I had some, you know, the people that were at the time, you know, my lifeblood became the people that were sucking me dry. Mm -hmm. it, it was a, it was a crazy, you know, I, I moved from, so when around 2012, you know, the tides, music left kind of the East coast and everything kind of, all the creators kind of migrated to LA. So I moved to LA and then um, I had this, I did the dummy thing. You know, I rented this big house on the hills with a recording studio in it. And a lot of it was cart before the horse because I did not have the, uh, the business, uh, the business, you know, what is it? What's the word? Uh, Acumen. That's it. The business acumen to understand what I, you know, what I needed to do to capitalize on this situation. You know, I had this wonderful studio in the hills. Like I could have parlayed and you know, everybody wanted to be there and everybody was there, mm -hmm. but all I was doing was just smoking weed and mm -hmm. drinking and just having parties, yeah, just doing all the dumb shit. Mm -hmm. uh, and also it was a time where, you know, my manager who was, you know, who made me, who kind of took me from zero to where I was, um, he robbed me. Like he started stealing from me, um, started, you know, just kind of doing shady things. And yeah, literally, man, going like, went from the pedestal all the way back to the bottom. Like I was at zero, like literally zero in the account, like zero, having to call home, be like, yo, I, I need, they need y'all to help me, mom, or auntie, help me out. So yeah, shit, shit happens, man. It mm -hmm. it goes. It's a it's a crazy thing. It's crazy how many stories in the. It's always the music, music and entertainment industries have that in it. That that's that's just a part of the story where you you get all the way to the top, and you no one's giving you the education on money management, business acumen, all that kind of stuff, and then somebody's robbing you on the back end. Mm -hmm. it's insane it's like a rite of passage i think <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so like i've i feel like i'm just starting again all the time like i always feel like ever since so when i cut ties i, I had a lot of things going you know i had developed this artist her name was justine sky they cut me out of the deal and then screwed me on the back end when i did everything and then you know pretended i didn't exist basically it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. It was like the things that were happening and I was just so alone. I, I didn't know where to turn, you know, like I was trying, I knew shit was getting shady, but I had, you know, I didn't know where to go. So I was trying to make the best out of the situation that was already damaged. You know, listen, I had already caught my man's red handed, like, yo, bro, I gave him my rent for the house. So I paid my rent six months in advance. Yo, here's my rent. Bop. Take care of that. And then I got a, this is how I found out. I got an eviction notice two months later. Like, yo, y'all didn't pay your rent. What do you mean? I'm living in the house. Like, yeah, no, you got to get out. All my shit. I moved everything I had to LA. 
in a house. This isn't like like a, a small apartment. Like, and I got an eviction notice. So, and that's when I found out. Like, yo, I don't. Where'd you? What'd you do with my money? Uh, I should have known already there, but you know, I was trying to fix the situation. So you know, we we're supposedly we were supposed to like, all right, cool, let's hug it out. Like, yo, you made you made a mistake. Let's move on. Let's let's build. And yeah, I held on a little too long, and I, you know, I take full accountability for that because I knew, I knew this shit was going bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that his intentions were were not in the right, and I, I, I was just hoping things were gonna get better. It was like a bad, it was a bad, like it was like a bad relationship, you know, like a, like yeah. a abusive relationship. Yeah, it was yeah. totally, totally manipulative. And um, yeah, I held on to that for a long time, though. I held on to it. It 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 was very damaging, and it it you know it, I didn't know that I didn't know what it was doing to me. I thought, oh, I'm just you know I'm just I I can write this stuff. So I was writing and I was working, but I didn't know what it had done to me mentally and emotionally. And so I was you know it it took a while to kind of just get over it. But you know, eventually it did, and you know, I found my stride, and I actually ended up going to Korea really early, like right after that. So like, I started going to Korea 2013. You know, that's kind of what introduced me to the K-pop scene. So that kind of helped. That helped out because it was a new kind of world. You know, it helped kind of open up another horizon for me, another avenue for me to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did, like. You know, it was like a rebuild period because I didn't know anybody. They, I was shielded from a lot of the conversations. It was just like go to the studio. So I had to kind of reconnect with people, rebuild, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm still rebuilding. To be totally honest, you know, like when I think about where I was and then where I am now, I'm kind of in middle ground because you know I've been able to be successful kind of on the outskirts of the industry. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not really deeply connected. I still have the people that you know check for me. But yeah, it's a uh, it's crazy. Like one, you know, one minute you're having dinner with Drake and Jay Z, and then the next minute I'm I'm you know I'm packing my stuff into my my car and moving back from LA to Toronto because I just can't afford to be in LA anymore. Is it uh, is it exhausting feeling like you're always starting again? It would be exhausting if I didn't love what I do. Anytime anybody asks me. Hey man, you have any advice on you know doing music for a living? My first thing is don't, don't do it. Send or, or... <laughs> yeah, you send yourself up for heartbreak. Like, dude, I am an emotional guy, but I'm thick-skinned. You know, like I've developed a very, um, very hard shell. You know, not many things can deter me anymore. I've seen so much. I've been listen, even on a on a racial tip, for example, like, like I said, I'm Filipino. I've gotten into meetings because people have loved my music, and the minute they have seen, they the minute they see that I'm Filipino, I, they've ignored me. Like, wow. like my music didn't. You didn't just listen to three songs of mine and tell us these are the amazing. This is verbatim. Wow, these are amazing songs. Amazing. What an amazing voice. Who's the artist? August. Oh, what else you got? That has happened to me. That has happened to me. I remember, like, 
doing something for this big corporate, this big corporate job. And they're on the phone with my manager and like, oh, we love this song. We want to use this for the campaign, blah, blah, blah. Who, who's the artist singing? And they were like, oh, that's, you know, you met August in the meeting. They were like, the Asian guy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Un unbelievable the things I've heard. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I always say, don't, don't. Then if you want to go try it, but you really have to love this. Like you really have to love the journey. Otherwise you're just fighting a battle every yeah. day. Right. But I love, I love this. I love, you know, I love learning about music. I love, I love singing. I love creating. And so it never feels like work. Like it never feels like work. And when it does, it's, it's a con you know it's a small it's a small consolation for you know the things that i've you know been able to do in my life because of music you know <laughs> you just reminded me of something my wife said to me a little while ago because you know as you've alluded to this this industry there's lots of ups and downs and there's lots of potential to doubt yourself all the time about if you're good enough um she told me once you have to enjoy the journey because the destination is is always going to be a moving target so what's your destination you want one placement you get that placement then you have a new destination that so that your destination is a is a is a moment it's a fleeting moment but the journey is your entire life mm -hmm. so check this i'm glad you said that because i had this thing i tell people all the time like when i started out i had nothing right no placements nothing so i remember i used to go to the universal office here and beg for a deal beg I'm like yo well, just give me five thousand dollars give me ten thousand so i don't have to work at the gap and you know i'm like so i can go to new york for a little bit and just really hustle and back then in my mind I'm like yo i just wish i had one album cut man one of these like i wish i could see my name in these liner notes mm -hmm. that one and then you know you get one and you're like oh man got one i need another one Mm -hmm. then you get you get a couple you get maybe a couple album oh i need a single get a single and then after that yo i need i need i need another single and oh i need a number one oh i need it to go platinum i need it and it doesn't it's it it's it never stops it's like oh i need this i need this. oh i need now now i need to executive produce this oh no now i need to be featured on this and now oh now you know what now i want my own label and and yeah, it, it never stops, but I've learned that I've learned to be happy. Being happy is also not the destination. It's, it's learning to be happy now, you know, whatever your situation is like, just be happy, man. Like this is why I tell myself, cause it's like, you know, my dad could never, could never fathom what I do. He has no idea what I do. He does but he doesn't understand how I make a living doing what I do. You know, my dad worked 16 hours a day for year, forever. Um, he's no idea how, and nor should he. He's never, he was never able to dream. He was never afforded that luxury to dream the way I did. Yeah, like, yo, just be happy, dog. That's what I, that's the way I, I have to speak to myself so that, because when I'm happy, I'm, even though sadness brings a lot of that great music out, mm -hmm. Being happy allows me to 
to be anything I want. You know, I can make myself sad. <laughs> you know, I can be sad, but it's you can't make yourself happy. You know, it, it's it's a different thing. But yeah, it's funny that you said about the placements because it's true. It's like you want you got one, you want this, you need the next one, you need the next one. Let's switch gears a little bit. Hmm? Uh, take us all the way back to the beginning. Like what, if you can remember, what sparked your desire for music? Attention. Yeah. My family is very heavy into karaoke, or used to be anyways. Cue the stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some stereotypes are true. <laughs> they're true. So when I was younger, I guess they found that I could sing because I enjoyed I, my aunt used to sing at these like family parties and I enjoyed it. So they found that I could sing. So they used to put me on stage in front of, in front of like their friends. And whenever they had, like my grandmother was uh, quite the socialite in the Filipino community here. So they, you know, as like entertainment, ah, look at this kid singer. He's going to sing for us. And they would throw me money. So I would sing and these, they would throw money at me. Right. Uh, you know, I make like 20 bucks. Sometimes I made a hundred bucks, whatever it was. And I, I guess subconsciously it, it, it was training me to be like, Oh, I could make some money doing this. <laughs> and that's literally, that's how it started. You know, that's how it started. And then, you know, I bought a piano, started taking piano lessons. It, it was really like a natural thing in my, like, I, can't remember a time in my life where I didn't want to be musical. You know, I didn't, it, it, it wasn't, it's like a, it's second, it's first nature. It's literally ingrained in me. I can't think of it like growing up, like, oh, like the, when the switch went off, oh, like, you're going to do music. It, it was just like, it's, it was always there, you know? So we're, it's a weird thing. Like I know some friends who were like, yeah, I just started making beats. You know, I was doing you know, this and that, or I just thought I was in the car. My friend said, I could, no, I, I always sang, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. you no, know, when I went to a new school, I made sure people knew I sang. I, I don't know, maybe it came from birth, but I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't want to do something musical. Are your parents musical? No, no, <laughs> no. They are like they sing. They like karaoke. My dad can pick up a guitar and play a couple of you know songs and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they're not like musicians mm -hmm. or anything of that sort. They like music, you know. So I was talking to somebody earlier uh, this week, I think, about like my musical tastes and like. So I learned, you know, I loved karaoke. Is all love songs, right? A lot of like big love songs. Mm -hmm. So. You know, weirdly enough, my parents were were really hip. So I had this, you know, those karaoke songs that we'd sing, in, you know, at home. And then in the car, my my parents love dance hall. So they love dance hall, like Shaka Demas and Playas, like um, Shaba Ranks. Um, man, the, the, you know what I heard in my car all the time? I'm in love with an man nearly twice my age. That's a jab, though. Dog, they, they <laughs> rinsed that record. So, like, I didn't even know what they were talking about. I would just say, I would love that song. And, and so I guess that they really molded kind of my, my influence, like my musical taste back then, anyways. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's where it started, karaoke and with my family. 
and whether they knew what they were doing or not you know they were fueling that fire um and they were cool about everything you know about me like my mom wanted to like i was good in school you know i got good marks you know, relatively straight a's um you know i was good at math i was good at science but they never like you know i wanted to do music so they they never pushed me to do anything else i didn't want to you know from from young though like when i was i remember when i was five i was a uh, i was really really good like i'm i'm okay at playing piano now like i'm okay i have some blockages where i'm like you know i got to get get over when i'm playing but when i was five i was really good so i could learn pieces like like that um so every every lesson you'd get a grade or get a's all the time for a whole year a a a so you get once you're once you're good i find in the music even back then you get graded on this curve so like whether you know if if they knew i was that good then there was an expectation for me to be that good all the time right they start grading you against yourself right so i hit a wrong note one day teacher goes you didn't practice I was like i practice an hour a day sometimes too because i like this you know i practice all the time i was five years old or six years old mind you wow it's like no i practice every day i, I like doing this like i sit in front of tv just playing i just hit a wrong note that day <laughs> and she was like no you didn't practice i was like no i practiced she was like yeah you never hit wrong notes I was like, no, I well, I just hit a wrong note, you know, like it happens, bro. She gave me a B that day. I was so upset, I quit on the spot. I quit, Dad. I quit. My dad picked me up. He's like, I, I, dad, I was like, I quit. Because you quit? What do you mean? He's like, no, I don't want to be here anymore. He took me home. He took me the next day. He, he took me on the next Saturday. I remember walking up the stairs. He said, "You still want to quit?" I said, "Yeah, I still want to quit." He said, "Okay, my son wants to quit." They were like, why? He's like, you gave him a B. No, he, he's quitting. And my dad was always like that for, for the rest of my life. He's been like that. Like, yo, you want to do that? Do it. If you don't, all right, cool. You want to play baseball? Let's go. We play baseball. You know, I'll pay for that. And my, you know, we weren't rich. You want to go to engineering school? All right, pay for it. I'll figure it out. Um, and then time I want to quit, he'd be like, all right, cool. We quit. So it, <laughs> It was a weird thing. Like I probably could have been a really good baseball player. I was playing rap. Like if he pushed me more to, you know, to practice and do more with that. But he was always like, "Yo, whatever you want to do, do do what you want to do." And music was the one thing that always stuck. Like I was like, "Yo, you got to do." In my brain, that was the one thing I was always into. So, yeah, it was, he just he just was always like, "Yeah, do whatever you want to do, man." Maybe he just was too busy working to like <laughs> to, to, to figure it out. Like, yeah, I gotta work, man. Just make sure you stay out of trouble. The luckiest thing about my life is that I always knew that this was where I wanted to be, or this is what I wanted to be doing. Because some people never get the luxury to figure that out, you know, or they figure it out really late. I just always knew. Yeah, I'm doing this. Something here. <laughs> Something in this realm, in this music realm. Yeah. Um. But yeah. That's where it started. I also read about you, um, how the Billie Jean performance on Motown 25 kind of mm -hmm. changed, changed your whole yeah. world. 
You want to talk about that a little bit? Bro, it's Michael Jackson sliding across the and like I never I don't I don't mention a lot because that that Billie Jean performance was the you know was obviously the highlight of that that right. whole show, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, when I saw that, I don't know what it did because I can still remember where I was. I was in my grandmother's house, I was wrapped up in my blue blanket, and I'm watching this it wasn't live. I was watching the the VHS, like the, the they taped it off the TV, and it just was like, yo, this is amazing. I didn't know what he was talking about. I, you know, I didn't understand, but he, there was something just so captivating about that moment in his voice and his dancing. And I think to kind of piggy, like, what kind of made the whole experience exponentially better. Is at the end of the show, like you saw this, there was like, you know, Stevie, mm-hmm. Smokey Robinson, my, like all the greats were on that stage in their prime, you know, and then there's a Michael Jackson kid that's just, you know, about to explode. Mm-hmm. All those guys like, you know, like Stevie and, you know, Quincy, like they, the, their ability to make, and I, you know, obviously I wasn't thinking about it like this, but their ability to make the most complex music so palatable for that a five-year-old could look at it and love it It no that's you know that's a testament to their you know talent and ability and their magic and i've you know ever since i've strived for that like i've always wanted that Mm -hmm. you know whatever i was doing i want that feeling if somebody was to listen to something i'm doing that's the feeling that i want um i'd like to put you on the spot if you're down hey I'm going to send you, I've sent you a link in the chat. Mm-hmm. What I want to do, if you're down for it, is put you to the test, the songwriting test for the listeners. Okay. Just yeah. listen to a loop. I got a loop for you. So it's there's something you've never heard. Mm-hmm. And just uh, see how quickly you can come up with, with something small, like a, a line or two or a chorus or a verse, pre-chorus, whatever, whatever, if anything Oh, okay. If you could put it on through the speaker, put it on through your speaker so there's no latency for us listening to it. And oh, uh, you won't have latency because I, I'm set up. I think, uh, hold on. Let me just play this right quick and see if it works. Shouldn't have latency. Yeah. <clears throat> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you and I can hear the beat. Oh, we. I could get the reverb. Hey. <laughs> um. So this is what my normal thing is. If I'll take a listen to it. So, 
Sorry. I usually try to do like figure out where the structure is and then um, go from there. Okay. Um, so something like this maybe. Um, Wish I could. Where, I'm gonna start it. <clears throat> cheek to cheek, do me dancing on this Friday beat. We can honestly be more than friends. It's not possible, but if this ends, we not okay. So that's like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like a, you got kind of get like a little bit of, so like I, I, I try to like, usually I'm recording this, so I, won't, I won't forget, but I try to take like the operative words of what I'm doing and then um, kind of formulate an idea. Mm -hmm. So I was like, <clears throat> I was like, cheek to cheek. Oh, sorry. Okay. Mm. So like maybe like cheek to cheek. Everyone in this room goes obsolete. <laughs> that's how it's done ladies and gentlemen um yeah this so was, this was not pre-planned by the way and this is in real time no editing so that's how uh that's how quick this man can work and i've i've seen it firsthand that's why i was comfortable putting them on yeah, the spot okay. cheek to cheek cheek to cheek uh, obsolete there's nobody ever and then me yeah. so we gotta get we gotta get at least for for gp we gotta go from at least the verse to get like a little bit of a chorus right all right so like this is just you know this is just pride now <laughs> <laughs> you do your thing man cheek to cheek everybody in it obsolete okay Everybody, cheek to cheek, everybody in this room goes obsolete. Uh, okay, yeah. Cheek to cheek. Oh, fuck. Mm. Cheek to cheek. Uh, everybody in the room is obsolete. Uh, na, 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 na. Okay. Cheek to cheek. Mm. Everybody in there obsolete. Can't believe we got him to left feet. <laughs> Mike drop. Yeah, see, like the uh, on two left feet, tripping and falling in the middle. So, like, yeah, I would do that. And then I'll, and then I'll, now that we're, now that we, you know, we kind of get into like, you know, tripping and falling and then I would do like, uh, 
We was rushing, now we're slow dancing. You know, that's you know, that's that's how it goes. That's awesome. Thank you for uh, for humoring me on that. Oh, no, no. And that mas- the master class in songwriting. <laughs> August Regal, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know, it's funny. I've been trying to like nail down this kind of educational platform where I can teach like, you know, a songwriting thing. But for me, it's, so, it's more of like a vibe and a space, mm-hmm. kind of an energy. And then like, a, it's like, how do you teach taste? You know, that's all I'm going off of, you know? There's so many melodies in the world that you can kind of pick from. You know, once you're in the key, it's like start high, start low, mm-hmm. start in the third, start in the fifth, start in the second. Like, there's so many different iterations and options. It's like they're like, how oh, well, how do you do it? I don't know. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> I, do, I do one, and if I hate it, I if I hate it, it's like, okay, I don't like it's like degrees, right? Okay, this is, oh, I hate this. So I'm way far from where I'm gonna like it. So I gotta start somewhere else mm-hmm. and work backwards to figure it out. That's actually one of the questions I was gonna ask you was uh, if you thought the songwriting is something that could be taught. It can be taught in the in the technical sense. Like this is, when I start teaching about songwriting, I, a lot of it is understanding the form, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you have a direction, right? Once you understand the form of a song or the forms, because there's many different forms. Once you understand the sections, you can start anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can start at the middle. I love starting at the middle. I love starting at the pre and building, building that section up and then kind of filling in the spots. Then you, know where it, then you know where it is and you can earmark the place. Sometimes you'd be like, oh, this pre sounds like a verse. Drop it there. Yeah. So I'll do that a lot. Like, I'll write a song and be like, oh, what's the best part of this? Uh, the, the chorus is the best part of it, or the chorus is the catchiest part. Let me throw the chorus, sorry, the verse is the catchiest part. Let me throw the verse in the hook and then start back again. Reverse engineer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah just getting kind of creative with it, but understanding song structure at the very basic form, that's that's all you need to know mm-hmm. that's all you need to know to start writing a song then you can then you can write bad songs until you write good ones mm-hmm. if you know like the sections chorus verse pre or when you're listening what is that oh that's a pre-chorus you know some people don't know what a pre-chorus is mm-hmm. so they don't understand what's happening in the song they just know that's they like that part yeah um and the bridge you know and then understanding that there's no rules so if you want it you can drop that bridge in the beginning if you want to mm-hmm. or drop that bridge after the first chorus if you want to mm-hmm. it doesn't but just understanding the sections i think and then everything else is like the taste no you so you can't teach songwriting you just can't teach taste <laughs> you know i think that comes with you know your musical upbringing what you like to listen to People who listen to jazz tend to leave a lot of hanging, like like things hanging in the air. And then people that listen to pop music seem to resolve things to the one all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. that's just that's because it's that. 
it's just inherent in the music. Yeah, but yeah, it can be taught. We're almost out of time here, but mm. I just, just want to ask you a couple more questions. Do you have yeah, from. Do you have any song that uh, you're most proud of? You maybe give two if you if you do have uh, one that you perform on and one that you that you wrote and or produced that you didn't perform on. Um. Okay. So. Man, it's hard. It's hard to pick. It's it's like it's like when the stuff that I perform, it's like it's like saying you have a favorite kid, right? But um, on the on my last album, the Fallout, there's a song called. Um, Is that that was your Juno nominated? Album? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Juno, yeah. uh, there's one called "I Want to Be Loved." I want to be loved by you, and I just there's something about the writing on that song that's that's just kind of a one to me in my books in terms of what I look for in a song like if I heard the song I'd be like damn I wish I wrote that just because there's there's like a there's there's a rap kind of structure in the verses and then it's a very simple I want to be it's kind of like that Marilyn Monroe type extrapolation for the for the hook so it's really simple but you know just lyrically on that there's a couple of things especially in the second verse that I just found like I hit a stride in terms of a lyrical brilliance for myself, if I may say. It's like, a, you know, the lyric is, uh, it's not a joke. Look at these letters to you that I actually wrote. Pen the paper, because if I talk, I'll choke. And I was like, when I wrote that, I was like, oh, this <laughs> is just honest. You know, it's not like super, you know, you can get deep with the lyrics. You can get very flowery and so articulate. But I think that, you know, the ability to kind of bring it back to something very human because, you know, I could say, oh, your scent is like flowers in bloom in the month of May. And, you know, I could get there. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to hear that. But if you can get to something like for me, that was, you know, like I wrote, I had to I put pen to paper because like if I talk, I'll choke. Like I can't. I had to write it because I couldn't say it, you know. So there's that. And then the song that I wrote, I mean, I'm uh, like Back to Sleep is like one of my all time favorite songs. Like if I if I did not write that song and I heard that song, I'd be like, oh, I wish I wrote that song. And this feeling is few and far between. But when I wrote that song, I was like, oh, I don't know who is going to do this. <laughs> yeah. This feels right. And Yo, when I say when you're cold and nobody's fucking with you, like you're cold. Like I had that song in my laptop, in my pocket, in my phone, in a USB stick, in my email. I sent it to everybody and nobody got back to me. No one got back to me. I sent it to everybody. Nobody got back to me. Um, I went to Korea and randomly played it for a Warner A&R there. And he was like, yo, this is crazy. But I was in his face and he had seen what I was doing in this trip in Korea. So he was already into me because he saw what I could do. But he, he ended up giving it to Adrian Marcel who cut it first. Ooh. And they never put it out because they never put it out. So I had this song sitting in my laptop for two years. And I was in my car one day and I was driving and my, my then girlfriend who's now my wife, she was like, Oh, this song is crazy, man. This, this could be for Chris. Brad. This should have been for Chris. And I was like, yo, I sent it to them. She's like, send it again. So I sent it again. And you know, just timing was right. 
guy I sent it to was in his car, popped it in, and was like, yo, this is a smash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, two weeks later it was cut, and then a month later it was out. So, yeah, yeah, that's one of my, you know, I'm proud of that song because it's also like, here's another weird thing, like, like I'm like this is the music I grew up on, you know. Like I grew up on, you know, my the formative years of me forming my musical taste. I was listening to Boyz II Men, Jodeci, D'Angelo, Maxwell, Erykah Badu, Jill Scott, Drew Hill, Shy, H Town. Like that's what kind of built my taste for music and then after that you know i got into the more pop mainstream stuff but that stuff i hold near and dear to my heart until this day i think the most perfect song in the world ever made is love you for life by jodeci people can fight me on it but really (laughs) dig into that song dig into it that's perfect song man the balance on that song is incredible it's a it's a it's it sounds like he's talking about just sex. It sounds sonically, it sounds like sex. <laughs> sounds like lust. But what he's talking about is marrying this girl, you know? Like it's yeah. it's it's a wedding, it's the hardest wedding song ever created. <laughs> and then the mix and then the the mix the 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 like the balance between like the 90s era synths and you know live bass playing, like the analog, the it's bro it's untouchable that song i think in my opinion um and then you know i get into the music industry and i end up doing like you know justin bieber in one direction sean kingston you know mind you i also do music soul child around this time but it's a bit of a footnote because it didn't do too well it didn't do like amazing mm-hmm. but that that one to me is like you know is closest to anything i you know i've always wanted to do because i really wanted to do r&b and then and, you know I finally get to do this back to sleep with Chris and you know it goes number one it's and, and that's it's an amazing point but also <clears throat> it kind of kind of hit me with a harsh reality you know after I did that song the number one song on urban radio guess how many calls I got to do to write R&B songs for people hmm. guess how many songs I guess how many calls I got zero Zero calls, bro. Zero calls. Wow. There's zero calls. I don't know what you want to attribute that to, but zero calls, bro. And not like I'm hard to reach. And yes, I didn't have like proper management or anything. But zero? Mm-hmm. Zero calls. Oh, shit, that's my reverb still on. But zero calls? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. And like, but it is what it is, man. The world is what it's going to be. And I think, you know, the insecurities that I have um, about it are my is is my problem that I need to get over so that I can allow myself to get into these rooms and and you know do my thing. Because I find that also when I get into these rooms, I climb up too. Because I feel I also feel that those eyes on me looking at me like that, whether they are or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why I say I don't know what that is. Is it me? Is it is it the world we live in? You know, it's a little bit of both, probably. Um, I didn't think that before. Back to our old conversation, I didn't think that before. Before I knew the ignorance is bliss. Before I knew that my race and the way I looked was going to have a say in the outcome of what I could do in this music, 
Um, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that until the music industry taught me that. Right. It taught me that the way you look is going to affect the way we hear your music. Mm-hmm. Before I didn't care. I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in here, you know, I'm singing what I'm singing. I'm writing what I'm writing, I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what I love. Not until I got into the music industry did I, and that, that slowly chipped away. And then all of a sudden, you know, I want, I'm doing pop, but I'm also, I'm not, I'm not that pop looking either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you sit, I'm sitting in this gray area and then it's like, yo, I do K-pop, right? I'm not K-pop. Like it's the furthest thing from my music. I can do it because I'm a study. I can study the music. I can listen and understand what it, what's happening. And you know, it's music. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not what I do. It's not like as an artist anyways. So I don't know. Whatever I'm saying is whatever I'm saying. Take that as it is. But I love it. I love what I do. So nothing can deter me from what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's the and that's the key. I heard that uh, that Back to Sleep record. I heard I heard your version of it, like the demo. Mm-hmm. That was dude. Even before Chris Brown cut it, like your version is a banger, dude. And Thanks. then, and then, if I'm not mistaken, your your backgrounds are still your background vocals are on the Chris Brown record. Right? Yeah, my my ad libs, even my ad libs. Yeah, my, my ad libs are there. Even the Don't let me rock you back. That's me still. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean on all the Chris records, they keep me on. I think it it works in the balance with his stuff. And to be honest. I'm happy that he did because it's it's great for me. But also on an artist level, if I have good backgrounds in there, because he's there too, he's in a couple of the stacks. But if I have good backgrounds in there, I'm singing, I'm cutting like a hundred songs a week. I, I I'd rather not cut the backgrounds. You know what I mean? You got to, got to. If they're in there and they sound good, like let them ride. Yeah. You know, I think it also added a, a texture to the song that you know that made it a little bit different. So yeah, he definitely kept me all in there. Yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And with Boy Wanda, too. I had a feeling that that's the song you were going to pick. I was hoping that's the song you were going to pick. Yeah. Because I, I, like, I knew the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to. I wanted our listeners to hear that story. So, For sure. Um, last question. Yep. Who's your uh, Mount Rushmore of songwriters? So four, right? Four. Four? Uh... And I'm sure these will change based on the week. So with... Yeah, but they might be the, they might be, uh, might be, might not who you think, but I'll tell you, because I yeah. do have, I do have them. Um, Carol King, number one, Carol King. Wow. Carol King, bro, Tapestry, <laughs> who writes like that? Like there's, I, you know why? Because I don't like writers that do what I do. Mm, okay. Why? I can't learn from that if I think it's close to what I do. But she writes that the way she writes from whatever experience she's had. And it, it, it's so uh, it's just human. It's there's a human aspect to it. And there's like a worldly timeless thing that happens. And it's romantic and it's in lift. It's it's up- uplifting. It's encouraging. It's all at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's simple. You know, there's this, it's so simple, but it's so matter of fact and. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I can, you know, the closest I've gotten to a song like that is "You Smile" mm. by Bieber. 
and yeah. uh yeah like but the whole album is like that mm. you know you got a friend Ugh. Um, Karen Carpenter. The Carpenters are so good, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, this is what I listen to. Like, um, this is like, you know, I just like that. I like that type of songwriting. You know, maybe it's a maybe it's like a nostalgic thing, but yeah, or the Carpenters in general. Um, and if I can, let me get into like. I feel like I should get into some newer stuff, but like, I mean, the real, real, realistically, like, I mean, Prince, but let's not count Prince because he's an artist and he's kind of like, you know, he, obviously he's written songs for other people and he's amazing, but I don't want to count him because he's like, it's like, um, you know, he's an outlier. It's like, there's, yeah. I see what you're doing. Um, you're sneaking in a fifth. That's fine. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is my first rodeo. Yeah. Who, <laughs> Like let's see, um, Babyface. Yes, there it is. Yeah, I mean, Babyface. I feel like he taught me how to write a song. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like in, like inadvertently taught me how to write a song. So, Babyface, and um, I could throw a Jonte Austin in there. I heard that name in a minute. Um, could put a James Fauntleroy somewhere in there too. Like, there's some like these guys are. You know, these guys all have had like a, a similar effect on, you know, me, stuff. Frank Ocean, you know, they've all had like a very thing. So like, okay, so there's Carol King, who's at the top because the just tapestry, just, I don't know, there's something about that. The Carp uh, Karen Carpenter or the Carpenters in general, because I just, they, they just got something about them. Let's do an honorable mention to Don Henley of the Eagles, because the guy is crazy. I'm a baby face and uh, let's got to do it. Devonte swing, man. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Go back to your Jodeci days. One yeah. person I would throw in there for me, for me. Yeah. Uh, which is more of the out of the box thing, but Garth Brooks or whoever writes for Garth Brooks. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like there's a whole, his, some of his writing is, there's a whole other, I mean, I could have said Pharrell, but see Pharrell, I don't like as like, I don't think of as a songwriter per se. I think for him as like a more of a sonic architect, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, there's, there's so many people like yeah. the country, so like on the country side of things are like, I list, you know, primarily now I just listen to country music. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I always listen to country music in the car now. Mm -hmm just on a on a songwriter thing i feel like they still like the craft is still very taken care of out there yep yeah that's my mount rushmore that's a weird looking mount rushmore <laughs> <laughs> it's diverse man that's that's why you're who you are yeah those are the ones anyways yeah well uh, thanks for thanks for joining me uh this has no been problem, this man. has been awesome very informative if uh if people want to find you or stay connected with uh what you've got coming up uh, how do they find you? Where are you online? Where can they find uh, you? What, Instagram what's your, what? is probably the easiest way. It's uh, at Augmatic, A-U-G-A-M-A-T-I-C. You want to know something? Here's a funny tidbit. This is so dumb, but when I made my Instagram, I was working with Demi Lovato, mm -hmm. and she called her fans the Lovatics or something like that. And that's literally, I just jacked her idea. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb, man. What a dummy. It just stuck. So, and, and now you're augmatic forever, right? Yeah, augmatic. Right? <laughs> um, 
I think I think it was like it was like a couple of it was like two things. I was working with Demi, and then um, my boy used to call me Augmatic, like, like mm, mm. because I was he was like, "Yo, you automatic, you it's Augmatic." Yeah. But um, yeah, I think somewhere in between those two is where that came in. Um, and then I'm on Facebook. It's just August Rigo Music. You can also go to my website, AugustRigoMusic.com. Um, but Instagram's probably the best way to find me. And on Spotify, Apple, oh, yeah, Spotify. Title, all those places, August yeah, Rigo. Yeah, all the regular stuff is August Rigo, yeah. All right, well, thanks again. Thank You've been you, listening man. to to the Mike Podcast. Step to the mic. Step to the mic. Shot, would you give it all that you got? Silence the mad haters, let them know that you hot. You had everything to lose, and you know it's a lot to rewrite the history of who's hot and who's not. So watch the plot thicken as you come to give it your shot. Spending every last minute trying to get to the top. Soon it's gonna pop, and you finna be happy you fought. What the haters gonna say when the album drops? Step to the mic. Step to the mic. To make a break, ain't no mistakes on the stage Cause you're playing for the wage and the stakes are high To live a better life, so it's do or die So if I can interject for a sec with advice Do your homework, you better work till you're nice This ain't for amateurs, so you better keep it tight Bring the metaphors, bring the bars to life Step to the mic Step to the mic If you got what it takes for the cameras and lights Then you're gonna be alright, ain't nothing to fear Step to the mic To the mic like a dream come true think you're ready for tonight don't be intimidated by the glare of the light you prepared for this life you're gonna be all right just step to the mic step to the mic like a dream come true think you're ready for tonight don't be intimidated by the glare of the lights you prepared for this life you're gonna be all right just step to the step mic to the mic step to the mic step to the mic, step to the mic.